Well, good morning. So I'm just going to kick right into it. Does anyone in this room struggle with doing the right thing or the next thing because of fear? I mean, let's be real. Fear plays a role in our life, right? Does fear tell you you can't do that because of X, Y, or Z? Or don't do that because you could be harmed. Or maybe fear says, uh, don't do that because you may be rejected. Or don't do that because someone might think you're crazy. Or don't do that because you could stand out. Does anybody struggle with fear in here? Look, some of you are sitting here right now, and fear won't even let you answer the question because you're worried about what the person next to you is going to think. Come on. We all deal with fear at some level. We all deal with doubt. We all deal with a lack of confidence in some way. We're fearful of the unknown. We're fearful of not having control. We're fearful of doing the right thing. We're fearful of ridicule. We're fearful of what people might think of us. You know, this week I, I read this and it kind of made me chuckle, so I thought I'd share it with you. There's five types of fear in today's society. Number one, Terror. Okay. Number two, panic. Number three, 14 missed phone calls from your mother. <laughs> Number four, when you see and you read the phrase, username or password is incorrect. And number five, when someone comes up to you and says, we need to talk. <laughs> You know, um, I had to throw in a joke because today's topic is a little bit heavy. Think of all the phobias that are out there. There's literally thousands of phobias out there. Arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Okay, I'm with that one. I got it. Insectophobia, fear of insects. Acrophobia, fear of heights. Hydrophobia, fear of water. This one made me chuckle when I read it. It's new to the, to the dictionary of phobias. Nomophobia. Do you know what that is? The fear of being without your phone. No mo phone. It's a real thing. Scoptophobia, the fear of being stared at. Look, if someone is staring me down, I've got that phobia. Look, really, fear, there's a fear or a phobia for almost anything. Fear is real. Fear can play a role in our lives. If we let it, fear changes our decisions. Fear can stop us from doing what's right. Fear can hold us in dark places. Fear reduces the blessings of God in our lives. Fear can stunt our growth. Fear creates more problems. If we let it, fear can control us. So let me ask again, does anybody in this room deal with fear in their life? If you can't answer yes even now, then you have one of two problems. You have a fear of telling the truth, or you've got a fear of opening up your mouth to answer. So, once again, we all deal with fear. I'm moving on. I'm taking it from there. Fear plays a role in our lives. This morning, we're going to look at one man in the Bible who dealt with fear. One man who was literally hiding out, thrashing wheat in a wine press in fear. One man who did not have the confidence he needed. One man who saw obstacles in front of him and he let fear take over. One man who literally said, I am a fearful man. He was past the denial point. He knew it, but he was living in it. 
So let's open up our Bibles to the book of Judges. We're going to be in chapter, chapter 6 and a little bit of chapter 7, and we're going to look into the life of Gideon. In the book of Judges, um, when Gideon is introduced, he's literally thrashing wheat and hiding out in a wine press. He's fearful. The Israelites are actually, many of them, all of them are hiding. Some are in caves. Uh, People are trying to survive because the Midianites had come in and totally taken over. Listen to Judges 6, 2 to 6. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in numbers. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the lands that they came into. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. You know, one of the things we learn here is that Israel had fallen away. They were even setting up uh, altars to false gods. But isn't it funny when they start to suffer, they knew who to go back to to ask for help. Supplies were low. Confidence was low. People had been killed. The Israelites were being attacked Killed, impoverished, it was ugly. There was reason for fear. They were living in a cave because that sounded like a great idea or a better idea than what they could have been in. But in this story, God wants to use Gideon to help lead the Israelites to overcome their oppressors. Listen as we start back in 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 verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abzerite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. All right. There's a few things we have to take notice of here. Number one... An angel of the Lord came and spoke directly to Gideon. If an angel of the Lord comes and speaks to you, how much proof do you need that God might be in the middle of the situation, right? But Gideon's fear kind of takes over. Listen, Gideon identifies himself with two things right here, two important things. The past and the fact that he's the weakest and the least. Sounds like an excuse, doesn't it? Gideon is living in fear. How many times do we allow our past situations to dictate 
or impact the future? How often do we live in the past? How often do we allow fear to dictate our next step? How often do we allow the enemy to speak words of fear into our lives that we listen to and believe? Mark, you're weak. Mark, you're not as theologically deep as so-and-so wants you to be. Mark, you've got a weight issue. People don't want to hear from you. Mark, you don't fit the definition of a man in Carroll County. You really don't like football. You definitely don't want to go hunting. And sometimes you like to sing. Okay, <laughs> awkward, but let's get real. Time's too short. You've got some too. I know you do. Maybe fear is lying to you today. You're weak. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're not worth anything. You can't do that. People think you're annoying. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's fear. Gideon was living in fear. And he had an angel of the Lord talking directly to him. And fear was still impacting his decisions and his actions. It says in Judges 6.16, And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks to me. Have you ever done that? Oh, Lord, I know what I'm supposed to do, but could you just do this one little thing so that I know it's you speaking to me? Lord, if you could send a bird, a big orange and red ostrich, to run across the sanctuary right now, then I will know I'm supposed to do that thing, right? We say and we do some crazy things. Look, Gideon is talking to an angel, and he's still asking for signs and proof and confidence. Lord, I know you're telling me to share Jesus with that scary-looking man who's sitting at that table over at Chick-fil-A. So to make sure it's you talking to me, could you specifically in the table next to him, could a tree come out of the bench that has purple oranges so I know I'm supposed to share Jesus with him? <laughs> Look, that's fear. And in the case of sharing the gospel with people, when you start asking for signs or miracles, you know you're in the wrong. Look, if the Lord is nudging your spirit to share Jesus or maybe to grace bomb someone or that person, do you really need proof that it's the right thing to do? I don't think the devil wants you to share the gospel or the hope of Jesus with anyone. So if that nudge comes in your spirit, stop asking for another sign. But we're slow people sometimes, right? Okay, maybe I'll just speak for myself. I can be a slow person sometimes. But in this story that we're talking about with Gideon, God is gracious, and he shows up for Gideon. Listen to how God answers. We're going to read a whole bunch of scripture together right now, okay? We're going to start in verses 18. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from the epaph of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot. And he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat 
and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them or on top of them. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Okay. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Oprah, which belongs to the Absarites. That night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar to Baal that your father has built and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Look, God had already proved himself to Gideon, but he still needed confidence. Let's go on. There's more. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal? Or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is God, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerobel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down the altar. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And he sounded the trumpet, and the Absarites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher and Zebulon and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. Then Gideon said to God, Hmm, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground around, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Listen to how God responds. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me just test once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and all the ground let there be dew. And God answered, and God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only, and all all the ground there was no dew. Look, how many signs and wonders does one man need to be obedient? But don't lie. 
We do it too. I do it. Lord, that person needs Jesus, but you've really got to show me a sign. Here we go again. Lord, send a purple pig at 3.52 and 32 seconds that moves like a cow and I'll know to do it, right? You know what's amazing about this story? God showed up to Gideon. Let me prove it that it is me. And he kept doing it and proving it over and over that it was God. We're going to go to one more story in Gideon. It's now in Judges 7. Let me read that to you. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are way too many for you to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. I think there was some fear going on there, right? And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. And you know what? Do you know how this story concludes? God took an army of 32,000 men, down to 10,000, down to 300, and they conquered the Midianites with 300. The Lord doesn't need your definition or my definition of how it's going to happen. In fact, the Lord wants the odds to look insane so that he gets the glory and not you or me. 300. 100 men defeated the Midianites. You know, they estimate that the Midianites were probably about 132,000. God wants to use the least of these. The most unlikely people, the ones that no one thinks can do it. In my case, God wants to use an overweight, insecure, people-pleasing, doesn't-look-like-Carroll-County man to do his will in Carroll County. I'm sure you can come up with a list, too, of what weaknesses God can take and use for his glory in your life. The bottom line is all these personal blessings that were happening to Gideon, God won the battle against Midian. There was no doubt it was God. You know, this morning or today, God might not use a fleece with you. He might not give you a sign of fire. 
He might not defeat an army with 300 of your friends instead of 32,000, but let's talk about what he has told us and what we share in the story of Gideon. Number one, you are mighty. Listen to what the angel said to Gideon. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. You know, when we look in the New Testament, listen to 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 28. The Apostle Paul reminds us of God's economy of greatness here. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. In other words, we're all nobodies, but we're mighty in the hands of the Lord. Don't listen to what the world is telling you. Listen to what God has called you. He's calling you mighty. Number two, you are sent. He said this, do not I send you? That's what the angel said to Gideon. Jesus said to them again in the New Testament, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, John 20, 21. Just as Jesus was sent into the world full of grace and truth, so we are also sent ones as believers, sent to be close to others and to serve them humbly and sacrificially. It's not just missionaries. It's not just pastors. It's not just church staff or elders or the praise team or whatever. No, it's all believers. We are all sent people. And when God sends, this is way cool, he provides the resources, right? God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, 2 Corinthians 9.8. When you give or you pour yourself out, seeing an opportunity and with humility and compassion, you meet that need, God will provide. What God calls us to, he provides for. And lastly, number three, you've got God. The Lord said to Gideon, but I will be with you. And in the New Testament, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, we're not alone when we step out in faith. We're stepping out to where Jesus already is. It's not like Jesus is over here and he wants you to go over there and you're walking away from him. No, he's already there. You're stepping into where Jesus is at. That has a broad application for us. You're not alone. 
So as we close today and we close this series called Grace Bomb, let's be honest. Is fear stopping you from being obedient? Maybe fear is stopping you from growing in your faith. Maybe fear is stopping you from having peace in your heart. Maybe fear is where you live. Maybe fear is a part of your daily, moment-by-moment life. Maybe you live in fear all the time. Maybe fear is stopping you from many things. As we apply it to this morning to, uh, as we've been talking about with Grace Bomb and sharing uh, the gospel with those around us, maybe fear is the barrier to you sharing the good news of Jesus. Look, I got to be honest with you. Frank and I, we know that Grace Bomb has a little cheesy feel to it, okay? We knew that. We know that it's the training wheels on a bike to sharing Jesus. But this morning, I've got to ask you to ask yourself, who have you shared the gospel of Jesus with in the past month? And if you can't answer that question, then maybe Grace Bomb and the training wheels are for you. The point is, We want to encourage you to be obedient to what God has called us to do and share the hope of Jesus with those you encounter, especially those that you're in relationship with. And today, I want to combat fear in our lives. We want to name that fear, call it out, and we want to take our step of obedience uh, to live in faith. Maybe it's sharing Jesus. Maybe fear is in the middle of you having a hard conversation with someone. Maybe it's standing up for what's right, even though you know you're going to be ridiculed. Maybe it's believing the truth of God in your life instead of the lies of the enemy that he's speaking to you. Maybe you're fearful to make Jesus the Lord of your life this morning. Maybe it's listening to the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life and being obedient. God says, you are mighty. Don't identify with your past and what the world says about you. Identify with what God has called you. Identify with what God says about you. You are mighty. And as a believer, you're sent. God has a specific plan and desire for you, individual and personal you, not the person sitting next to you, you. God wants to use you for his glory and his honor. God wants to use all of us messed up, insecure people to be sent on mission to make him famous. And lastly, you've got God. Why do we need the approval of man when we've got the God of the universe on our side? You may not have an army standing beside you, but you do have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords standing with you. Do not let fear rob you of obedience to your Creator. Don't let fear stop the blessing of increased faith in your life. Do not let fear stand in the way of obedience, of making God famous and sharing the good news. Do not let fear rob you of seeing God move and work. You're mighty, you're sent, and you've got God. You know, I've been praying all week 
And um, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't just clarify. I know in a room this size, there are people here who don't know or understand the gospel, who might not be clear on what it is. And so this morning, I really felt like I needed to share directly the gospel. God created us to be with him. That was the original intention. But our sins separate us from God. You've got sins. I've got a lot of sins. We all have sins. We're all messed up in some way. But sins can't be removed by doing good deeds. You can't do enough good stuff to be right with God. You can't help enough old ladies across the street to get into heaven to be right with God. But God, in his grace and his mercy, paying the price for our sin, sent Jesus to this earth to live as a man, to die on a cross for you and for me. He died in our place. And then three days later, he rose again. And everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Eternal life starts now and lasts forever. I wanted to share that this morning because I know that there's probably people in here who don't know you, don't know God. They might be sitting here right now, their heart's probably pumping a little bit faster. There might just be not an understanding of what's going on, or maybe they're sitting here thinking, I am way too messed up. I did that and this and that and this and these things and all these things, and there is no way that this is going to work for me. But that's not true. That's fear. That's the enemy. God wants you to be with him. He wants you, he loves you enough to come to this earth and die in your place and rise again so that you can have eternal life. So this morning, I'm going old school. If you'd bow your heads. With every head bowed and eye closed. Um, I want to ask, maybe your heart's beating faster, maybe you're not sure where you stand with God. Maybe you're not sure what eternity looks like for you. We know that all of us will die one day. That's going to happen. So maybe this morning, this is speaking to you, and you want to accept Jesus into your heart. You want to live for him. You want this to be the moment. If that's the case for you, I'm just going to ask you to either raise your hand or look up and make eye contact with me so that we can pray for you. Is there anyone out there? I see those hands. I see your face. Lord, the angels are rejoicing right now because there's some people in here who have crossed from death to life. Lord, and for the rest of us who are following Jesus, 
Maybe it's like Patrick said last week. Maybe you've gotten dim. Maybe your heart is not right with God. Maybe you're not doing what he's asked you to do. Maybe fear is playing a role in your life. If that's you, I just ask that you'd raise your hand. See that. Lord, today, would you encourage these people? Would you use this as a time to be wholeheartedly sold out to you, Father? Lord, we love you. We know that you're in control. Lord, would fear not play a role in our lives. May we be obedient to you. May people know that we love Jesus, not only by our words, but our actions. May we leak and ooze Jesus to everyone we come in contact with. Lord, we love you. It's in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.